The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Father, and to the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come, Holy Ghost, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and kindle them the fire of thy love. Set forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray, O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Ghost. Grant us by that same spirit to be truly wise, and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord, Amen. May the divine assistance remain always with us. And may the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. O Mary, seat of wisdom, pray, pray for, for us. us. Then of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hello, and welcome to What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley, and with me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He's a member of the Society of St. Pius V. He's also the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you? Very fine, Tom. Thank you. How are you doing? Well, Father, thanks for asking. Thought we could start tonight, Father, with a few current events. Just yesterday, we had the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, France, catch on fire. It's been all over the world news. We've already received a few emails um, asking your response to this, Father. So what's your take, what's your reaction on this uh, Notre Dame fire? Well, I think uh, my reaction was very much uh, like the reaction of many other people. Um, one notes across the board... Uh, a sense that the burning of the Cathedral of Notre Dame corresponded somehow was kind of a statement as to the condition of the church in the world today. That seeing it in the, in the big picture of the, the situation of the church, um, that it somehow is maybe some kind of a divine statement, a kind of a divine judgment. And I, th I reacted that way, uh, I think for the same reason many other people did, uh, because they realized the situation the faith is in and the situation of the church. And perhaps uh, the Cathedral of Notre Dame is a, a kind of emblematic of the condition of the church, <clears throat> even before the fire. I mean, here you had um, this venerable, ancient, magnificent, right? work of architecture built for the traditional faith, for the true Catholic faith, in which the traditional mass had been offered so many thousands of times over the years. And the body and blood of our Lord were consecrated there. Our Lord offered himself day by day, uh, perhaps hour by hour in the old days, uh, from those altars in uh, sacrifice, right? Uh, pleading for mercy for us for sinners throughout the world. And uh, so many souls baptized in that cathedral. <clears throat> uh, so many souls buried from that cathedral. <clears throat> the divine office prayed uh, so many hours, day after day after day, in that cathedral for so many years. And then to have it fall as it did. During the French Revolution, uh, the cathedral was taken over by the revolutionaries and uh, the prostitute uh, was carried in unclothed and enthroned there as the goddess of reason in the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Uh, 
What a sacrilege that was, you know. And uh, one might say, well, we look back at that now and we see it was a sacrilege, but of course, that was then, this is now, and I would say this is exactly what they're trying to do now. Probably even a more, in a more grotesque way with the Novus Ordo that was brought in there and the sacrileges that have continued there uh, under the very auspices of, of the Vatican, right? And uh, the Vatican appointed archbishops of Paris uh, the Novus Ordo, uh, replacing the traditional Mass and the traditional sacraments, and how that really does reflect what is what has become of the Church in, in France and throughout the world, um, as it is falsified, defamed, attacked, as our Lord was attacked, even now as we recall during Holy Week. So, um, you know... In, in France, France has largely lost the faith, okay? And uh, the, even the reaction of the French people um, was, was very interesting. Uh, you have Macron, who says, well, we've lost this, this great uh, monument of France. But uh, remember, in 1907, the Masonic government of France nationalized the churches and took the churches away and actually controls the churches. The church doesn't own them. Um, there were progressively um, more and more harsh laws, harsher and harsher laws uh, directed against the church in the 1800s and finally culminating in the 1900s, uh, 1905, then 06, and then 07, finally, when the churches were just taken and seized by the government. Pope Pius X wrote vehementa in protest of this attack of the French government and its masons uh, on, the, on the Catholic Church. So the Cathedral of Notre Dame is actually officially uh, in the, it's been nationalized and it hasn't been in the eyes of the French owned by the Catholic Church uh, for well over 100 years, for 110 years plus. Uh, so wonder, no wonder Macron says we will be rebuild, we will rebuild uh, Notre Dame. Um, as the head of the French government now, yeah, I mean, he would say that now this is a government project now because the French government actually controls Notre Dame, quote unquote, owns Notre Dame, <clears throat> not the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church has the right to use it. As somebody said in 1907, when they passed the legislation, now the church, Catholic Church, can rent its churches from the government. Right? That's what that's what one of the uh, principles of, of this legislation said way back in 1907. So uh, the faith, uh, the Church of Notre Dame, the cathedral, is built for the Catholic faith, the traditional Catholic faith. It has now been banished from there, from that church. Okay. Uh, there are pitifully few in, in France who are now practicing the true traditional Catholic faith. And so uh, this could easily be seen as a divine statement that, well, the, uh, you, you talk about the heart and soul of France is burned. Well, now the heart and soul of the faith has been destroyed. The faith has already been burned in France. And so this cathedral is nothing but some kind of cultural icon rather than some kind of beacon of the faith. Quite the contrary, it is now a beacon of non-faith in France. And with all of the evils going on uh, in the name of Catholicism, uh, but not by true Catholicism, um, uh, 
one could see how uh, God and Our Lady would find it abhorrent and um, and uh, say enough. But uh, of course, the real the real question is <clears throat> uh, whether it was an accident or whether it was done deliberately and by whom. Well, the jury is still out on that. I know the effort is being made, and possibly justifiably so, that it was merely an accident. Uh, the church, the basilica, the cathedral, rather, was undergoing a 20-year program of renovation. And uh, it seemed to have started in the attic or up in, uh, in the rafters of the church where there was work going on. And now the reports are that there was no work going on up there at the time. Uh, close to 6 o'clock in the evening, uh, Paris time, is when the fire apparently began. It might, it might have actually begun sometime before that, but it wouldn't have been visible or noticeable. But remember when St. Mary's uh, burned down in, uh, in St. Mary's, Kansas? Remember the church burned down there? Beautiful, magnificent church, beautiful stained glass windows and so on. After the Society of St. Pius X acquired St. Mary's, the church burned down. And it was, again, due to the workmen who were working in the ceiling, within the ceiling of the church, and uh, they'd left something smoldering up there. So we know that this can happen, because we've seen it happen here in the United States, right in Kansas. Um, so it's very plausible. The problem, of course, is that uh, the Islamics in France had been threatening uh, the cathedral for a long time. In fact, just a few days before the cathedral burned as of yesterday, a young woman, 22-year-old Islamic woman in France, was jailed for eight years. <clears throat> uh, a few years ago, she and two of her friends, she was 18 years old at the time, two of her friends decided to do something heroic for Islam by destroying Notre Dame Cathedral. Their plan was to drive a truck with six large propane canisters up to some point outside the cathedral and detonate them with the understanding they thought that it would destroy Notre Dame. And this young woman, now still young, 22, has been uh, jailed for eight years in Paris for this Islamic attack. She wanted to impress her boyfriend, <clears throat> evidently. This is what, this is what the, the motive is reported to be. So here you have three teenage Islamic girls here who are uh, up on charges, one of them already jailed, uh, uh, actually found guilty, for attempting to destroy Notre Dame Cathedral. There have been any number of other attacks or any number of other threats over the years. Uh, the Catholic churches in France have been subjected for the last several months to not only threats, but attacks, attempts to burn them down, Saint-Sulpice. There was an, uh, an, an attack to, to burn down Saint-Sulpice. And uh, a goodly number of other French churches have been under attack for defilement and uh, actual, uh, well, you know, attack to, uh, attempts to seriously damage or destroy them, just over the last several months. And... Um, People should should know about that. They should read about it. They should be aware of what's happening in France right now. And the attackers are Islamics. They're all Islamics. 
And uh, then on top of that, you add the fact that the Islamics were rejoicing to see Notre Dame in flames. They were manifestly rejoicing <clears throat> over the Internet, uh, applauding each other, applauding Allah, right? Because they saw this as a great victory for Allah, that he was destroying this, uh, <clears throat> this monument of, of the infidels. You know, uh, Tom, when, when 9-11 happened, <clears throat> I uh, was teaching up in New York, and uh, when I arrived there after 9-11, I was told that the Islamics who owned uh, the filling station down in, well, I won't mention the name of the town, I don't want to cite anybody, but that they were actually out in the streets dancing, dancing for joy over the destruction of 9-11 and the loss of all those lives, because they saw this as a victory of Allah over the infidels. <clears throat> so, of course, you know, the uh, people are going to be outraged by that. Um, that is, people who have any common sense and common decency will be outraged by that behavior. Um, but this is the meaning of terrorism. Terrorism ultimately really means uh, rejoicing in another person's suffering feeling that their suffering is your gain. And uh, this, is what you, this is what you find here. You know, in, in Islam, it is endemic, it, it is actually of the very essence of Islam to rejoice at uh, the loss of, uh, the losses suffered by infidels, loss of life, loss of property, loss of anything to do that's value with them because it's a victory of Allah against them. That's how they. That's how they understand. So, um, could it be both? Could it be an attack? It could be. Uh, it could be one or the other. But I, I still think that the reaction of the more conservative Catholics, even the Novosordos, okay, universally among the Novosordos, the New Order Catholics, <clears throat> seem to be that this is a judgment of God against us because of the evils happening they say, in the church. Mm -hmm. I say, in the New Order. Uh, but they, they believe it is uh, certainly a judgment of God. Sure. Now, of course, we know their heroic acts. The chaplain of the uh, fire brigades in Paris entered the burning church to save the crown of thorns. You know that. And there were heroic efforts. About 400 firefighters were trying to fight the faint flames that were consuming, you know, the, 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 uh, <clears throat> the altar end of the church. It's, uh, I can't call it a sanctuary, right? You can't, can't even call it an altar now, the, the table end of the church. And, you know, it's remarkable to see what the, uh, the golden form of what they say was crucifix that was still preserved there, shining through the darkness of all this soot and ash. But they saved the towers of the main entrance of the church, I don't know how much of the uh, the nave of the church they saved, but they saved the structure, they say. And now they claim they're going to rebuild it. And I guess this this kind of sums up what I'm concerned about right now. Francis and Macron, okay, have both come out and talked about rebuilding Notre Dame, but not actually rebuilding it, restoring it, but building a structure that will more closely reflect the diversity of our times.
Now, all I know is that whatever Francis touches is death for the Catholic faith. Whatever he touches, right? Death for the Catholic faith. So, you know, when you have a man like Putin in Russia pledging a tremendous amount of money to help rebuild Notre Dame, right? When you have celebrities here in the United States of America pledging so much money to rebuild Notre Dame, maybe they better find out what plans are to rebuild Notre Dame. They might find out that it's to turn uh, Notre Dame now into some kind of a Catholicism, Catholicism, Catholicism shrine, you know, or a diversity shrine, or who knows what. we, we should, uh, everyone should, should stand back here and wait and see exactly what Macron and Francis come up with because it might be some atrocity <clears throat> of ecumenism, which would have, of course, which would be a gross insult to our Lord, our Blessed Mother, and the, and the faith, the traditional faith. So, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, uh, what I'm expecting, what I fully expect based upon the comments made by those who are going, are in a position to determine how any, any rebuilding is going to be done is that this is not going to resemble not the Notre Dame we've known for the 100, 850 years. <clears throat> um, but it's going to be used as a pretext for building some kind of great ecumenical shrine to diversity and uh, maybe a, Kind of a one-world temple. Mm-hmm. And Father, in in regards to uh, you know, you mentioned the the attacks occurring against the churches and and France. Well, one of the notes that we received says that the French government estimated around eight hundred and seventy-five attacks on churches throughout France in the last year. So it's definitely not unreasonable to question whether or not this was an, an act of, of terror, yeah. an act of violence against mm-hmm. this church. Well, it, you know, ordinarily it would be rash judgment, even rash suspicion, uh, because there's no proof. There's no, quote-unquote, evidence that this particular fire was set by a terrorist or an enemy. But when you have this avalanche, this, this, this tsunami of threats that are made, that is evidence. So this is not rash suspicion. The fact is... Uh, that people everywhere are reacting with the same suspicion, there's a reason for it. They've given you plenty of grounds for the suspicion. Now, to judge that this, yes, in fact, on the basis of this, they are guilty, and they did, in fact, uh, burn the, down the cathedral, that would be rash judgment, I believe. But it certainly is not rash suspicion. That's right. Father, in regards to this fire, perhaps if there's anything that we can, can take out of this, um, perhaps there's, there's one... One thing that we can take take comfort in, and, and is that the the outside of the church. If you know, if you look at um, drone footage or aerial footage of this, it seems the entire outside of the church is totally engulfed in flames. And yet, the inside, there there are some reports saying that that the uh, inside was miraculously preserved. Uh, there's there's relatively little damage to the inside of the church. I thought perhaps that that might might be uh, something that that we could take comfort in, in that. If this is uh, some sort of symbol of the, the state of the church today, it appears from the outside that, yes, it is totally engulfed in flames, in danger of being totally destroyed, and yet on the inside there is relatively little damage. So I thought perhaps... Well, when they say relatively little damage, 
that's relatively. <laughs> okay. I mean, perhaps, mm. but it looks uh, very seriously damaged. I mean, the stained glass windows, which were quote unquote priceless, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I understand have been destroyed. The, the rose windows. The, the rose. rose. The rose windows survived, which was over the the principal doors of the church, and the fire was at the other end of the church, so that would have survived. I was always a little puzzled by that, though. But anyway, I won't get into that right now, of course, because <laughs> that's another program. Uh, a little puzzled by that, but nonetheless, um, there were, uh, they say, priceless objets d'art, uh, objects of art and uh, artifacts that were that were destroyed that are irreplaceable. There's no doubt about it. But uh, nonetheless, um, it could have been a lot worse, right? This is what. The, the reports are telling us that it could have been much worse and it was it wasn't nearly as bad as it looked or it wasn't bad as bad as it was originally feared nonetheless uh it was bad <laughs> it's still it's still bad and it gives them as i say a pretext to now build something that you might even see as the anti notre dame mm -hmm. you know some uh ecumenical um, uh, center for all religions, right? We'll see what they do with it. They have an opportunity now. Francis has an opportunity. Macron has an opportunity now. The French government has an opportunity to uh, create there some kind of a, you might say, an anti-sanctuary, an unholy sanctuary. What was the sanctuary of the church has been pretty much destroyed. Sure. Uh, and they will have to start. They will have to redo that entirely. Right? Where they where they had, where there was once the high altar, where there now where there was their table, um, is largely destroyed. So we'll see what they do with that now. Um, you know the the fact that the French were all gathered outside and watching this, and mourning it. I mean, they were in, in very deep grief. But as I say, for for many many years now, even for centuries, yeah, Notre Dame, in the eyes of many of the French, even atheists and anti-Catholics, right, Masons, uh, was just an expression of French culture, their French heritage, and that was the value of it in their eyes. But it was not really a, represent, a representative of faith, not their faith, right. Uh, so in a very secularistic sense, they, they were attached to this thing with sort of sentimental uh, approach. I mean, that in itself is enough to awaken in us a real empathy or, or sympathy for them. Uh, my first thought actually was, well, this is their 9-11. And there were others who expressed that thought, too. This is their September 11th. But <clears throat> without the loss of life, such as we saw on September 11th, uh, but the, um, you know, so we, we have a great sympathy and empathy for them too. But the fact is, um, uh, our, our view of the fall of the, of, of that steeple in flames through the roof of the basilica and this eruption of flame, you know, high into the sky, our view of that is very different from most, that of most other people. Because as traditional Catholics, we see the defilement of the church that has been going on for all these years since Vatican II. And we've been in a state of mourning for that. 
when we've seen the churches used and abused for this new order. And we see, we see what they saw in, happening to Notre Dame yesterday. It's like we've seen these churches already engulfed in the flames of modernism all these years. And in a sense, when I saw the look on the faces of the people in the streets of Paris looking at their Notre Dame burn, it was like looking into the face of so many traditional Catholics who over the years have seen, it seems like the church on fire right now, like the entire church burning throughout the world with uh, modernism, the modernist terrorist incendiaries everywhere, you know, burning down every the mass, the sacraments, right? All the things that really are the very essence of the faith. They've been burning this down all of this, all of this time. And, um, yeah, when they see the cathedral burn, uh, I think that's the closest they can get to understanding um, how the traditional Catholic people have uh, seen what they've done, what the modernists have done to the church. Uh, the last group of students I took to Rome uh, were very thoughtful. They, they uh, took a lot of it in, took a lot of it to heart. But I had one student who wrote up afterwards a, a kind of a paper about what, what really impressed him about Rome most of all. And he said that when he talked to the beautiful churches, uh, it struck him how they had been defiled uh, with their tables and with the other accoutrements of the Novosoro, uh, rather grotesque things that they brought in that, you know, had no place there architecturally or otherwise, artistically. And he, he, uh, he said this was a constant affront to his Catholic census catholicus, you know, that he saw this, uh, everywhere and how the church had been, uh, invaded and, and, uh, in a sense taken captive. Um, but I thought it was interesting that, that he saw that, that he, he wrote it down very powerfully, I thought. And, um, when I when I see the the videos of Notre Dame Basilica or Cathedral, there we go. I'm thinking I think of some, something else. I'm sorry, it keeps coming back to my mind here. But the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris, engulfed in flames. It, to me, it it just sort of brought home the whole concept of what the modernists have done to the church and their and and Francis. Uh, the intention is to simply reduce the entire church to ashes and rebuild their own, you know, uh, their own false world church of humanity. Mm -hmm. Well, Father, I thought there was, uh, there's one more current event that I would like to get to. It's, it's rather topical um, today. We uh, had a note from a viewer who wrote in and said, in light of the U.S. special counsel finding that the president did not collude or conspire with the Russians, if you can state some words on the great sin of calumny and detraction, that would be appreciated. He says, even though the, he is the president and therefore a public figure, and even if the allegations are 100% true, the president does still have a right to a good name, and he will never fully live this one down. And that is precisely what makes calumny and rash judgment so evil. What are your thoughts on that, Father? Well, there's no doubt about it that the uh, the Democrat-led uh, attempt to 
uh, assassinate President Donald Trump. When I say assassinate him, I don't mean to murder him physically, necessarily, but I mean to murder him as president, to destroy his presidency, to destroy his of whatever credibility he has, to destroy whatever power he has and influence he has, all of that. They really wanted to annihilate him. I would say even go in this sense beyond assassination and their, their attempt to annihilate him right, uh, really does amount to uh, a very grave moral, moral sin, a grave crime. And uh, morally speaking, um, they seem to be, uh, they, they will stop at nothing to destroy him. And uh, Donald Trump is not by any means the savior of the United States of America, nor is he the savior of any soul. We know that, okay? But we are here in Holy Week and we're watching the conspiracy of all of these forces of the leaders of the Jews, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, <coughs> and they, they, they hate each other. They, they really are contemptuous of each other. But it is their common hatred of our Lord that, that impels them to come together for their own common interests to destroy our Lord. Because as much as they hate each other, they all hate him much more. So they focus their hatred on him and they want to destroy him. Well, I can't help but see something of that same hatred. Uh, you know, the, the progressives, the liberals, the leftists, uh, they, they love to use the word hate against their enemies. How their enemies hate, right? The abortionists love to accuse pro-lifers of hating, right? And yet, it is exactly the opposite. They're the most hateful, hateful people. Uh, they're the ones who resort to violence. They're the ones who resort to calumny and uh, detraction. Uh, the difference is uh, detraction is spreading a damaging truth about another person to those who have no business knowing and no need to know. Whereas calumny is like slander. It's spreading a damaging lie about others, right? And it really seems to have become very apparent that in all of this ferment about Donald Trump and the Russian collusion and all the rest, completely ignoring Hillary and all that she did, right? And then Kerry and all the other things that they did. It's all focused on this, this myth of the Trump collusion with Russia, Putin and so on. That they really don't care about the truth. The truth is absolutely insignificant. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's, it's extremely, when they talk about inconvenient truth, you know, Michael Moore, well, for them, the truth was inconvenient because it, it would get in the way sometimes. They were trying to suppress it. So um, there was a, clearly a, a very deliberate attempt uh, at every turn to suppress the truth and to promote the falsehood and the lie, the big lie, right? And it was a matter, basically, of keeping the, the public eye off of them and what they've done and keeping the attention of the people on this big lie that they had. And so they've taken the American people on this, on this ride uh, of their pathological mythology, okay? Uh, they've gotten away with it because, um, because they could, because they, basically because of the media. 
The major media plays along. They're the the uh, mouthpiece, as it were, of the leftists now. And that's the that's basically the only reason they were able to get away with this, uh, to keep the lie going. And it's amazing. It's amazing to see now. But the Mueller investigation, with all of the straining effort to find whatever they possibly could that had any plausible uh, relation to this uh, charge of Russian collusion, they, they found nothing. They found nothing. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, uh, I think it was Judge Napolitano who said, you know, there is evidence of collusion in the bar, in the Mueller report. But I'm, I'm thinking that Napolitano did not say what collusion. I'm wondering if he's saying there must be evidence of collusion of Hillary and her gang with the Russians. I wonder if that's what he means. We don't know yet because the report hasn't been made public yet, being redacted by the Attorney General Barr. And the Democrats are demanding that it be made public because they're sure there must be, uh, you know, just, uh, terrible things revealed there that are being kept from them. And it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if it finally did become public, uh, largely. I mean, they're not going to reveal every line of it, I suppose, right. unless the Democrats find some way to uh, compel that. But it wouldn't surprise me in, in the slightest if they found that what came out in the Mueller report was con condemning them and their and their chicanery sure. and their perfidy. Sure. So, um, <clears throat> yes, it is, it is a mortal sin <clears throat> to commit the sin of calumny, spreading a damaging lie about other people. Anyone, another nation, a corporation, right? A moral person, as they say, let alone an individual person. But, um, and there is an obligation of restitution for that. Um, but, you know, in the end, uh, as, uh, as was said, uh, the sins of a nation, the sins of a political party, um, the sins of a corporation are not punished in hell in the sense that God does not condemn the corporation the, the nation as such, the political party, to hell. So there's no such thing as saying, okay, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or the Socialist Party as a party, as a political party, are condemned to hell. Individual souls are condemned. Okay, so this is the thing we have to be concerned about, the, the collusion of the individuals in this big lie and this horrendous calumny. We have to remember, we, we always have to come back to this to put everything in perspective at the time. We are dealing with people who are hell-bent on murdering babies in the womb. This is their signature position, right? This really is. This is their platform, basically. This is what they stand on. This is what gets the, their soldiers out in the street yelling, screaming at the top of their lungs, profanities and obscenities and blasphemies. This is what makes them march, right? It is abortion. And that's what the party is all about. That's what it's all about. Planned Parenthood, 
and its minions and uh, the politicians who uh, are paid off by uh, Planned Parenthood contributions to their campaigns with monies that they receive, how? Monies they receive from our own taxpayers, right? Billions, right? Monies that they gain through abortions, how many of those are subsidized? And monies that they gain by selling the parts of the babies they murder. And they're using that money to support the campaigns of their our most ardent politician supporters. So this is who, this is the kind of person we're dealing with here. So the idea that they could they could trump up, so to speak, excuse the expression, <laughs> that they could just invent this entire uh, this entire adventure of theirs in, in an effort to cover up for the crimes that they've committed. Um, uh, of what they accused Trump of doing. I mean, uh, who was it um, uh, who accused Bar- uh, Trump of saying this is nothing less than treason, right? The former director of the, uh, of the CIA, right? Comes out and says that. And then <coughs> backtracks, not really. They just said, well, I mean, it was treasonous, right? <laughs> so, um, and yet the man's own track record is, is sorted as sorted can get, you know? And so... Um, I mean, there are those who have actually said it's a criminal enterprise. <clears throat> so in any case, um, and plan- that includes Planned Parenthood. There are those who have just come right in the Senate. You know, it's just a criminal enterprise in all this. So what do we expect? Why would they not do this to a sitting president named Donald Trump when they're doing this to the entire country and all of its people? Mm-hmm. Um, by the grace of God and only by the grace of God, people will be able to see uh, what's going on, and I just hope by the time they do, they still have the moral character left to care. And Father, to your point about the media, I just heard a commentator today say that this is definitely, in fact, what the media is doing by trumping all of this up, uh, trying to distract from from the crimes that they have committed. This uh, commentator today said that, you know, with... uh, Obama and and his his department actively spying on Donald Trump, actively working to take him down as a candidate, as a presidential candidate. They're saying that that's possibly one of the biggest scandals and political scandals in, in U.S. history. Oh, and yet we, we've not heard one one pipe about that from, from the national media. And, and you know, it, it seems I wanted to say that it, it seems childish to do something like this when when they're committed, they have committed this crime. They're they're confronted. With what they've done, you know, a lot of times children, mm-hmm. when, when they're blamed or, or accused of something, they'll say, well, look what so-and-so did. He, mm-hmm. he did this bad thing. Mm-hmm. But this is even worse than that because they're not pointing to anything legitimate, any other actual real wrong that anyone else has done. Mm-hmm. They're totally inventing, mm-hmm. fabricating something else. I mean, th- this is mm-hmm. worse than childish. This is demonic. This, this is this. straight it, from it hell. It is diabolical. Diabolical. And Attorney General Barr just mentioned that... Um, there was spying yes. by the Obama White House on yes. the Trump campaign. Yes. And the media, the media exploded in outrage. Okay. And that's, that's exactly what they're paid to do. That's what they are that meant to do. I mean, they are basically um, just paid, uh, the paid choir, right? The, the choir for the, the leftists now. And one should realize this is what they are, and 
value what they say only, you know, with, with that in mind, uh, that what they have to say is of no value. And as a matter of fact, if they say something, the presumption is the exact opposite is the truth. Right. It's not just what they're saying is not true, but they're saying a lie because it is the opposite of the truth. And one should begin to examine what the truth might therefore be and the direction they're pointing. At. But uh, you're right. I mean, the FBI's behavior in all this uh, as uh, an instrument of subversion of the country, that's a very... Uh, a very dangerous and potent force, right, to subvert this country. So, um, so one needs to, um, uh, you know, be willing to look into this and and not be afraid of what they're going to find. They they have to find this. It's the only way to cure the patient, which has suffered such a, a terrible infection. You know, we have an invasion on the southern border now, and uh, Donald Trump said, well, it's a crisis, right? It's an emergency. And so he wanted to build the wall. And of course, um, the, all of the, uh, the characters on the hill, right? Uh, Pelosi and her crowd uh, began spouting the very, very same thing you'd expect, right? The same inanities and, and insanities. But uh, then... Uh, Donald Trump uh, came up with the idea, well, we're going to send them all to the the uh, sanctuary cities, right? Let the sanctuary cities deal with them. <clears throat> now, what would you find if that happened? You'd find what I'm sure the sanctuary cities fear. The crime rate would go sky high, <clears throat> right? Disease rate would go sky high. Uh, they'd be faced with, uh, and by the way, these are often Democrat run cities, so they're already in poverty. They're, they're already um, uh, defaulting, <laughs> as it were. Uh, they're not solvent, so they suddenly have all of these uh, new people arrive they've got to take care of, much as like what has been inflicted on Mexico with these caravans of people going through Mexico, when they're very ill-equipped to deal with them. They can hardly provide for their own population. But uh, unfortunately, I fear that this is what would come. I think the if you know this this newly uh, appointed, newly elected uh, mayor mayoress of Chicago, who is a socialist, and there are more socialists on the, the I understand the city council of Chicago now than there are Republicans. They're avowed socialists. That she said, send us all of your immigrants. We will take them all, and we welcome them. You know, and I wonder if she doesn't realize. You know, if we get them here, yes, conditions are going to get pretty rough. But as long as we've got them here, we can make them, we can get them to vote. We can find ways to have them vote. And that's exactly what we want. So President Trump, yes, send us all these illegals. Well, you can't really call them that now. That's not, uh, that's not uh, politically correct, right? Send them all here. And as long as they are under our political control here, We'll make sure every one of them gets a vote at the next presidential election, because that's actually what they're looking for, isn't it? Right. Can't convince enough Americans to vote for them. They'll find people who will. Um, so anyway, it's it's very much of a concern, Tom. And um, you know, we we also had a um, a viewer who uh, contacted us with regard to our previous program, that's right. and the viewer made a very good point. Actually, I thought. 
and that had to do with uh, vaccines, okay? Had to do with the origin of the cells that were used to cultivate the rubella vaccine. And uh, other vaccines now have come from the same, same line of cells. Yeah. And they were obtained from aborted children. And uh, the one viewer brought up a very good point that I don't know if we have time to answer tonight because we've already spoken somewhat. I actually thought we'd be getting to that tonight at some point. But uh, we'll should definitely cover it in the next program. That's okay? fine. Um, when I say uh, this viewer brought up a very good point about the vaccine question, about the origin from the uh, aborted children, um, I don't... I, I don't mean to give the indication or the implication that I agree um, that this somehow justifies Planned Parenthood selling the baby, the parts of aborted babies, that they're, they're equivalent. But I think is it is incumbent upon us or me to show the difference. And that's what I think needs to be done in the next program, to show the difference between these two. Yes, and I think we can do that. I think this lady's very good question deserves a very good answer, and I'll give her the best answer I have. So sounds good. So I ask your prayers, continued prayers for the program, and I ask people to support the program too financially if you can. Mm-hmm. Be much appreciated. <laughs> and but Tom, I don't know that anybody's ever actually, if I may, give a little tribute to you. You put a great deal of time and effort into this program. More than I do, because I'm often running from one thing and then uh, running from the road to something else, okay? Um, but you uh, do a lot of research. You, uh, you know, try to keep contact with as many of the uh, people who send in uh, requests as you can and uh, have set up the website and so on. And I, I really appreciate that very much. And I, I think our viewers, if they do the time and the effort that you put into it, that our videographer puts into it and uh, program directors and all the rest who uh, have been a great help. I think they realize there are a lot of people that, uh, well, we owe a, a bit of gratitude to, and I do also. Thank you, Father. That's, so thank that's you. very kind of you. I have to say this is the highlight of my, my week each time we record, so it's been, it's been my pleasure to do this with you. Thank is you that very, right, Tom? Definitely. <clears throat> definitely. Well, good. Glad to be a part of that. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you, Father. Well, thanks for being here tonight, Father. I appreciate your time. I know you've got a very busy schedule with this Holy Week. So. Well, with Holy Week, uh, it is. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be right to let everyone go without wishing them a very blessed Holy Week and a very blessed Easter. And perhaps we could even, at some point, um, do a, a special short program just uh, talking about the significance of Holy Week and uh, Easter Sunday, which has a little um, encouragement to our people for the spiritual, the spiritual side, which is the one that really matters, right? Yes. So anyway, God bless you all. Thank you, Father. Thanks to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you and God bless you.